Hello, dear friends. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another week. A nice, warm week. Hot, even. Seems like we're not even to Saturday morning, right? And when uh, K9360 has been getting a little time to share with you dogs and the world they live in, which is our world, right? That's what we do with our dogs. They're domestic and they live here with us. And we got to think about them and deal with them and talk about it and make it a community conversation here on Community Radio. This is Jill and uh, looking all the time to bring you insights or new things um, or new insights about old things, right? Because our understandings change and evolve as our... uh, Dogs go with us across the lifespan. Okay. um, Interesting perspective on um, dogs as a consumer commodity, which is a topic we touch on here every so often because for whatever other roles dogs might play in our human family, they are a consumer commodity. When we think about acquiring a dog, when we acquire a dog... And also sometimes when we are looking to uninquire, un, unacquire, right, or get rid of a dog, um, we, we tend to distance ourselves from the emotional dimensions of that by turning the dog into a commodity where the dog's um, attributes become the sales pitch, right? And we put in certain things and leave out other things. And so it might be that again here on K9360, we revisit uh, sensible, responsible, ethical consumer behavior with regard to adding a dog to the family. And there was a pretty assertive article about Uh, mixed breed dogs, um, particularly the ones that are mixed out with poodles that we'll get to here in just a minute. But let's go back and revisit a little bit of that landscape uh, with respect. And and what I want you to think about as you're contemplating this or going through this with me um, are the marketing aspects, right? Uh, Marketers love to and in fact, regularly practice selling us things by promoting certain kinds of perspectives, stories even, that may or may not be true, right? If you wear this shirt or put on this cologne or um, your drinks feature this kind of alcohol, here's a little fantasy that you can indulge that says engage in this behavior, buy this product, wear this product, imbibe this product, and these beautiful women will chase you, right? Will they? We don't know. The ad says they will, and sometimes we weigh it out and decide it might be worth spending $10 or $20 or $100 to see, you know, just in case. 
So there's a couple of myths, a couple of fantasies that are correspondent with the consumer behavior that prompts us to acquire a doodle. And here's the least you need to know. That promise of the no shed coat is pretty much a lie. It can be a cruel lie. Here's what I mean by that. Most of the doodles have a kind of nappy coat that grows continuously like poodle coat and sheds continuously like a Labrador retriever or a golden or an Aussie or an Old English sheepdog, right? In fact, especially with the latter one, this translates into a tremendous amount of daily maintenance and, not or, but and, frequent, expensive, professional grooming. Or, not and, or, a stinky, nasty, matted mess of a dog. And let's not even start with talking about the ears, right? Doodles, especially the full-sized ones, are something like the Full Employment Act for professional groomers. <laughs> and not since the old English sheepdogs were popular. It was kind of fad for old English sheepdogs. In the 1970s, has grooming income been so assured? I see lots of sheep doodles and Bernie's mountain dogs crossed with do with poodles. You just need to find yourself a groomer and plan on buying Christmas presents and birthday presents and make 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 a new friend. Homes with goldens and poodles can harbor herds of dust buffalo. Impressive dust buffalo. And I had collies for a long time. They they shed almost constantly. Personalities of these dogs, their temperaments, their genetic temperaments are all over the place. If you take breeds as diverse as poodles and the retrievers or the sheepdogs and try to generalize about what they're going to be like, that's pretty tough. And folks who mix them together with really little thought about the outcome, it's just hard to predict what their personalities are going to be like. I see a lot of them in class and I've found that the dog's behavior tends to be complicated by the owners. They kind of buy this marketing hype, right? And they somehow believe that these dogs will come out of the whelping box, literally, as a finished product. There can be a real strong tendency to neglect basic puppy conditioning and early training. And like any mixed breed dogs, you get some really good ones, essentially by accident. It's a lottery. I've seen a couple of those too. I can drive you to the homes of a couple of folks locally who really ended up, they rolled the dice and they got a nice dog. But it's fair to say, I think, that greater than 90% of the doodle breeders, breeders and other designer mix breeders, as we called them maybe 10 years ago, are really just thoughtless profiteers who don't know anything about genetics and could care less. They don't screen their buyers and they have no idea what they're producing in terms of health, temperament, or morphology. They don't care and they don't check. 
they may not even know what the mixed breeds that they're giving these clever marketing tags to will look like in six months. Because when you go to their websites, you you see pictures of puppies. That's pretty much what they're selling. Puppies. Not the dogs that they will shortly become. And I'm somebody who's, who's in sympathy with the project of thoughtful crossbreeding, either for functional terminal crosses like lurchers or uh, some of the guide and service dog retriever crosses that make pretty nice dogs, or for new breed development as a long-term project, like as in tens of years project. So pure breeding has no mystique. As far as, not as far as I'm concerned, but this hybrid thing is not about thoughtful crossbreeding. It's not a project. It's not looking for function, and it's not anyone's concerted long-term effort to stabilize a new breed. That's not what's going on. A friend of mine once said that she thought it was about people who were indifferent to dogs making money off people who were ignorant of them. That's pretty cynical, but it might not be entirely wrong. And she said that she would include the numbers of people producing fad, even purebred dogs, like mini Aussies, teacup poodles, the really, really tiny little ones, the dogs that are at the extreme ends of certain genetic, their gene pools. Right? If you buy the cologne, It might not necessarily be true that the beautiful women will chase you. If you buy the dog, there's no guarantee. And that no shed thing, come on, right? That's not true at all. But don't take my word for it. I mentioned at the top of the show that I was going to share a, a pretty distinctive perspective that I found in a... Uh, It was an article that recently appeared in a national dog magazine, the sort of magazine that you pick up if you're at a dog show. So that should tell you something about author and audience. And uh, I'm sharing it with you because I thought that the perspective was a distinctive one and worthy of including as part of our larger conversation. About, about these mixed breed dogs. They called it the doodle dilemma. And the author said that he hoped that the title would befuddle the readers enough to grab their attention. And he identified himself as someone who is part of the world of purposefully bred dogs and someone who spends most of his time contemplating the next dog show, his competition, his goals, his breeding program, and getting his motorhome repaired. (laughs) Um, But he said the most important aspect of the focus, which is not understood by the general public, is the uh, role of canine structure, which determines a dog's ability to do its job effectively. And while there are other factors that may play an important part in a dog show judge's decision, including the type of dog, the color, all roads lead back to good structure, right? So come with me. Let's see what he, what he thinks about this. He talks about attention to structure, form, and function is what enabled us 
to preserve breeds in the first place, right? I mean, you ask people who have a mixed breed dog, everybody wants to know what it is. Well, in order for it to be something, there has to be something for it to be. So this antagonism between purebred dogs and mixed breed dogs is a false dichotomy, I think. But regardless of our level of focus and attention, purebred folks can be misunderstood by a public who is exposed to narratives, slogans, marketing, right? And is being sold a potentially expensive bill of goods by these, and he's got it in danger quotes, hybrid breeders pushing the possibility of dogs with hypoallergenic coats that have been a popular or have become a popular status piece in certain communities. He said, yeah, yeah, I'm preaching to the choir, which he is if he's writing this in a magazine aimed at purebred, purebred dog owners. Um, but he's trying to make a point. So he says... When the weather is warm and I am not doing dog activities, I enjoy bicycling and my rides often take me through state and local parks where I get a purview of the local dogs outside of my insular, purposefully bred dog world. What I have noticed in my affluent Bucks County, Pennsylvania suburb is that hybrid breeds, especially doodles, outnumber purebred breeds by a great proportion. And the sad reality is that doodles have become the designer brand in certain circles, right? We're thinking about this as a consumer dynamic. People who buy the new cool thing, whatever it is, it's hard to keep track. So he says that the general public has no idea or very little idea about the difference between designer dogs and genuinely purposefully bred, purebred dogs bred by show breeders and working breeders who know what they're doing. He feels that there's a responsibility to the shareholders in the dog community to explain the difference between those dogs and the other dogs, right? The purposefully bred preservation, purebred dogs and dogs that are bred by for-profit breeders who lead people down a dangerous path with the promise of a specious level of hypoallergenic coat and breed traits that cannot be predicted within this genetic crapshoot, which is kind of like we were saying a little bit ago, right? In what might be stating the obvious, quality breeders of purebred dogs engage in genetic testing and they do so in an effort to eliminate breed-specific problems that are known. So, and all, all purebred breeds have genetic problems that are in their gene pool. So, Tibetan Spaniels, one example, are tested for retinal problems, for PRA, PPL. American Staffordshire Terriers, known as pit bulls, should be genetically screened for ataxia, for hips and elbows in the form of dysplasia, and undergo cardiac testing. By doing testing, these breeders offer their puppy people the benefit of lower veterinary bills and a happy, healthy canine companion with a higher probability of a longer life expectancy. <laughs> 
right? I'll say more about that in a bit. But this author says another area of critical importance that needs to be mentioned is predictability. Knowing what you're getting is of crucial importance, especially when you're bringing a canine family member into your home. The breeder's purebred dogs can easily refer to multi-generational pedigrees that go back at least seven generations. And within breeds themselves, there are consistent traits that are breed-specific. When you undertake a crossbreeding, predictability flies out the window. 30% of personality is biologically determined, but when you breed two mixed breeds together or two other breeds together in a series of hybridization, there is a genetic cascade effect that makes it impossible to predict or determine genetic temperament. The same goes for the less understood area of structure. And here, structure refers to a dog's ability to fulfill its intended purpose. So your hunting dog, your herding dog. For breeders who show in confirmation dog shows, breeding for structure is key to competitive success. So each AKC-registered dog has a breed standard that discusses how the parts of the dog should fit together and includes key aspects of appearance, color, and movement. Right? So when he says, I'm on my bicycle, I can spot a dog in the dog park, right? He calls it the dog park dog show. Uh, A poorly structured front or rear and faulty movement and an array of bad temperaments from the most frightened dogs to the overtly aggressive. And the scariest thought is that many of these people vastly overpaid for their dogs. Their crossbreeds are truly the result of a for-profit venture as compared to confirmation breeders who are stakeholders in preserving these purebred traits, the ones that are going to matter to people when they run out and get their Embark DNA thing, right? Um, uh, The genetic analysis of the modern Australian Labradoodle dog breed uh, reveals an excess of the poodle genome. And in a recent broadcast with Australian NBC News, Wally Conran, who's a developer of the... um, ALBD said he wished he had not created the um, doodle, the labradoodle. He said uh, he had opened a Pandora's box and released a Frankenstein monster. And that's a comment that he has made in several media outlets uh, in relation to health issues associated with unscrupulous breeding practices. He and others have argued that designer breeding programs have the potential to reveal recessive traits which accentuate latent genetic health issues. Hybrid vigor does not always prevail, especially if, if the dog's parents have a common disease, have common alleles, and the breeder isn't looking. So patellar luxation, von Willebrand's blood clotting disease, progressive retinal atrophy, hip and elbow dysplasia, these are common and uh, problematic, right? The author offers a case study called Benny the Norgi, a product of a breeding between a Norwich Terrier and a Pembroke Welsh Corgi. This dog lives in a, quote, loving household owned by dear friends who give him a great life. Prior to Benny, the owners had two lovely Shih Tzu that lived out very long and healthy lives. From an early age, it became apparent that coat care would be an issue. Benny has a hard top coat with a soft undercoat. Clipping did not work 
for this dog at all. Structurally, he's a mix of both breeds, long like a corgi with a head like a Norwich. He has arthritis already and rear vertebra correspondent to his length. He's dysplastic at seven years old. And the author says, when my friend told me he was getting one of these, I said, why? And he responded that a few of his friends in Florida have them and they were great dogs. The author says, I never asked about the price tag, but I did ask, why just why not just get another Shih Tzu? And the author says, I really think he thought it was cool, kind of a vo- in vogue thing to do. And he was not thinking about, about it like a purpose, purposefully bred dog breeder. The author notes that he's not being critical of his friend's decision. We have all made decisions based on knowledge we have, but he says he feels bad for Benny, who is not structurally sound due to the dumb idea of somebody making a cash grab and had no idea what his venture would net or about the animals, these puppies that he would produce. The author's going to leave us with one more insight, and I think this goes back to where we started today. The worst stories about doodles? Want to hear those? Ask a professional groomer. So he did. He asked a groomer named Katie, who shows and breeds Bedlington Terriers, about her experiences. Here's the quote. First of all, they're incredibly popular, including with first-time dog owners. I rarely go more than a day without grooming at least one of these, quote, designer mixed breeds. Purebred clients are uncommon, and I can count the number of well-bred purebred dogs that I groom on my both hands. The owners are rarely prepared for all the maintenance involved with these doodles, and that isn't even touching on the rampant behavioral and health issues. Here comes the harsh part. This author says many dog owners are willfully, aggressively ignorant. It may not be fit to own any dog regardless of breed or mix. Though many people advocate for introducing would-be doodle buyers to breeds similar in appearance or temperament, I would find responsible breeders better off not selling these kinds of owners any dog at all. That said, many are still capable of learning the ins and outs of responsible dog ownership And there are breeders among us who bought a designer mix and later got well-bred, purebred dogs. Although most groomers will say their issue lies with the owners, and that's not entirely untrue, many of these doodles are just not living up to the marketing hype. Temperament, predisposition to fear and aggression are common. You cannot love or train the genetics out of a dog. That's something worth, uh, worth thinking about, right? Um, so I guess as we come to a close here, uh, we'll look at the last paragraph of this article. The author says, I wrote this piece to give people in our community some facts in the hopes we can aid owners to make better consumer decisions. As a community, we need to be as outspoken as possible, Uh, help spread the word about the value of purposely bred dogs to people who are being indoctrinated by a rescue dog culture and the vogue of hybrid dogs that offer marketing hype 
and as he says here, ridiculous promises that they simply cannot deliver. His last word, having entered the confirmation dog culture in standard poodles, I tell people, if you want a poodle, get a poodle. And that when he's done showing dogs and he wants a great pet, that is what he is going to go back to. So a little um, cautionary tale on this toasty Thursday. And hoping that you are heading out with plans to join us at Stransky tonight and that you keep hanging out with us here on KZUM and KZUM HD, the coolest radio station in the world. I will see you back here next week um, as we inch closer to our favorite dog holiday, uh, the 4th of July, which is no dog's favorite holiday. Um, Stay safe, have fun, keep cool, come to the concert, and thanks for being with us here. We need you, you know, and we love you, our listeners, here at KZM. All right, really, it's time to go. Take care, come back. See you soon. Keep cool. Bye, guys.